Hi, everybody. This is Tony Khan, the producer and director of Morning Stories from WGBH in Boston. There are so many sides to the war in Iraq that some people say it's probably more useful to look at it as a circle or a vicious cycle of fear and vengeance without any discernible beginning or end. For four years now, the French reporter, Sarah Daniel, has risked her life going back and forth to Iraq from her home and her family in Paris to tell the stories of people from every side of that war. In today's morning story, Sarah reads from the pages of her new book, Voyage to a Stricken Land. I met him in front of the burning houses of his village. A small Arab farmer, Hamir Mohammed. The night before, Kurds had fired into the straw roofs of the houses. Some of Kamir's neighbors set their houses on fire. Better to lose everything than to see Kurds settle in their houses. But Kamir Mohammed couldn't bring himself to take such a desperate step. It's my father's house, the house where my children were born. Let them come and kill me here. I'm ready, he told me. We knew that the land belonged to Kurds, said Kamir, and that the government confiscated it for us. But what could we do? Saying no to Saddam meant saying yes to death. Please, I don't want to be free. I just want to get my land back. That morning, the Kurdish owner of Kamir's house had written his name in blue marker on the wall. Barzan. 8,000 men and children belonging to the Barzani tribe had been arrested one day by the Iraqi army and never been seen again. Saddam had mentioned on television they were already in hell. It was Ramba Rashid, a young Kurd, who had pointed out the Arab houses. He now bitterly regretted having turned in his friends. Rambar and Kamir had known each other since childhood, played soccer together and talked about their plans for the future. Kamir is my brother, explained Rambar. Of course, this is Kurdish land, but the Peshmerga beat his brother and stole his car. Why do they have to go through all this? he asked mournfully. That night, to avoid Peshmerga violence, Kamir would spend the night at Ramba's house, even though their families were at each other's throats. I was overwhelmed. Time had come to tear myself away from this stricken land and go back to my family. That was Sarah Danielle reading to us for today's morning story from her new book about the four years she spent in Iraq called Voyage to a Stricken Land. I ran into Sarah a few weeks ago when she was in New York, once again briefly between trips to Iraq. I've been interviewing so many people who are dead now. That's a, a curse you, you have to get used to when you work in Iraq. Sometimes it's, it's a question of minutes or of hours that I escaped some awful scenes. Uh, one time I, I interviewed um, Mohammed Bakr al-Hakim, one of the possible president of uh, Iraq, and he asked me to come with him the following morning for the prayer at the Najaf Mosque. And uh, this big um, blast happened, and uh, I think 300 people were killed. I escaped, um, um, well, uh, being killed. 
What don't you escape when something like that happens? When you come back and you have all these uh, recurrent images of death and uh, and sorrow and you have nightmares and, uh, you know, the, at some point, I guess the body has to say that, that it's enough. So you just lay hope, hopelessly in bed and wait till that you get better. At least, uh, I think, 60 reporters have already been killed in Iraq. Why do you keep going back there, especially given the anxieties and the concerns of your, your friends and your family? Lots of reasons. I know a lot the Arabic mentality and the Arab world. I spent a lot of my childhood there, and I felt I could explain who were the others and try to fill the gap. And then also you, you, you feel a sense of responsibility towards the friends you have there, and you left with the Iraqis and also with the, the soldiers, sort of another family, and you can't let them down. Very, very strong feeling. You forget about the outside world, and your world is just what you what you see and what you experience, and how you try to to su survive, to find food sometimes, and to plant your tent, to uh, to file your story, and and life is so tough that uh, nothing outside exists. You called your daughter as often as you could. What would those conversations be like? She's very little, so we, the conversations, it's more songs that I sing when she's going to bed or, uh, I mean, uh, I'm not telling her what I'm experiencing there, fortunately for her. She has a, a lot of family around her and, and I think she has a strong mentality and she understood that it was important for me to do this job and to... Uh, uh, it was somehow important. One thing I, 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 was, I couldn't stand was to see... Uh, children um, wounded or... I remember one time was really tough. It was after the Battle of Fallujah and uh, there was this tiny child, uh, maybe two or three years, and all his family were, uh, was dead. 20 relatives, uh, 10 brothers, and every one of them was dead. And he was cuddled by his uncle, uh, who was very tender and gentle to this little uh, little kid and I learned afterwards that uh, his uncle he was put uh, he was put in jail so uh, this kid uh, and nobody and and I, I have this uh, memory of him covered in bandage and lying in in a hospital in Baghdad that's a tough memory It was frustrating for everyone, for the, the, the soldiers who believed in this war. It, it was very tough on them, of course. You've been through tough situations and sometimes when you come back, you can't explain them and sometimes you don't want to explain them because it's uh, not nice memories. Everything is so amazingly surprising in Iraq and you lose the sense of uh, astonishment and uh, you take for granted things. I've met some incredible people in Iraq and some uh, heroes. I mean, there are lots of good wills and good people and uh, that's what brings hope, those people, that you could find those people in, in those situations. But it's not enough, unfortunately. The corruption, the politics, the, 
the greed for power has overtaken everything. I'm here in the studio with uh, Gary Mott. So she has these conversations with her young daughter in France. Who's about five or six years old, yeah. It's important what she's doing. Right. Why is it important to her to get these stories out? Because she has to. She has no choice in the matter. She really opened my eyes to the fact. She says, you know, you get attached. You owe something to the people that you're with. She tells stories, okay, so that's why she goes back to find the stories. But she also goes back to them, and she says it's such a heartbreak that so many of the people that she does form attachments to are not alive the next time she goes back to Iraq. Well, I'm fascinated to find out how she got access to insurgents. Mm, mm -hmm. And members of al-Qaeda. She identified herself as a journalist. She really went there to hear from people about why they were doing what they were doing. And she puts all of their stories together, and she does not take sides. Like most acts of courage, yeah. she couldn't live with herself if she, if she did otherwise. That's why we do <laughs> morning stories. You well, know. you know, it's moments like this where I'm not happy to be the bearer of a story like this, but I really am proud of the fact that we can get stories like this and that we can pass them on and, and hear uh, stories from others in response. And while on the subject of gratitude... I express our gratitude as always to uh, Ipswich, uh, who have been our funders from the start of this podcast pretty much, leaders in file transfer software at ipswitch.com. And also our thanks to the people who have gone to our website and who have clicked and made contributions. There are eight of you heroes out there <laughs> already. At, at least eight. At least eight. So thanks a lot. WGBH.org slash Morning Stories. There's a wealth of stuff to listen to and see. Check in to say hi, and we'll see you soon. I, I, I will go back. But, uh, but next time, I, uh, I'm going to prepare very carefully my trip. Take less chances. Writing this book has made me realize that sometimes I went too far. Count me among the people concerned about you until you get back. Thank you. That's very nice of you.